You're listening to the Central Sanford Podcast. To learn more about Central Sanford, including our gathering times, visit us online at centralsanford.net. Today's talk comes from Pastor Alan Drumback. Watching online, we're so glad to have you joining us as well. And you know what I think is awesome is knowing we have all these wonderful and amazing kids in the room with us. Aren't you glad to have all the kids in here? Amen. Amen. I love, I love having them. My kids are in here right now, and if you see some of them acting a fool, you just stare at them, okay? Um, just kidding, but we're so glad to have you kids here. Hopefully you got your little sheet that'll help you follow along with our worship uh, this morning as we look in God's Word. And so I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, if this is your first time being back here at Central, we are so glad to have you. We know that there are some people that have started us by watching online, and now maybe you're coming physically on the campus. We're so grateful. And also, again, I want to say, those of you watching online, we love you. You are truly loved at Central. We miss you, and uh, we know that in good time you'll be back. We'll all be back together worshiping the Lord. Well, Luke chapter 15 is where we'll be in verse number 3. Let's all stand as we read God's Word. We want to kind of get the blood flowing uh, for the next seven hours of sermons. Um, <clears throat> actually, I can't do that. Um, I might get in trouble. Um, Luke chapter 15 and verse 3. The Scripture says, So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever lost something valuable before? Maybe you're thinking in your mind what you have lost. Somebody said in the first service they lost their mind once. I get that. But have you ever went out and you've lost something and you're trying to find it? Well, a couple of weeks ago, my family was out at the beach, at New Smyrna Beach. It's kind of becoming a little bit of a habit right now, me and 80,000 of our closest friends socially distanced. But as we were there, there was a lady that just started kind of walking around. She was kind of frantically looking around and looking here and looking there. And the next thing I know, April comes and tells me that this lady has lost her wedding ring. She had just been married for two months, and she had lost her ring. And so she had solicited my family. My kids were out there. I was out there, some other families. And there was a lady with a metal detector out. And so she was out there looking, beep, 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 beep. Earlier, she had just found a Coke can that had been buried for three years, I think. But they, she was out looking around. And so there they were. They were looking around, and we were all out there, and this young lady was so devastated. And so I overheard her mother say to her, why did you wear your wedding ring to the beach? You know better than that. I taught you better than that. It will be lost forever it's kind of like a lost and found in a border town looking for a diamond ring they just look at you like you lost your mind and say they hadn't seen a thing if you know that brooks and dunn song 
And so I was listening to her, and I was thinking, you know, that's how a lot of people in our day and a lot of people in Jesus' day think about some people, that there's no hope, it's useless, just give up, they're lost, they're lost forever, there's no way that they'll ever be found. Now, here's something interesting. Full circle, I didn't know this till the 8 o'clock service, we found out who the woman was. As a matter of fact, it was one of our church members' brothers and wife, and an hour later, the woman with the metal detector, guess what she did? She found the ring, praise God, amen? Did not know that till the 8 o'clock service, so it made my sermon even better. But there's a lot of people that they just give up. They just give up on some people. Well, this scripture, this whole passage, this whole chapter tells us we should never give up because Jesus is a friend of sinners and Jesus welcomes you. In verse number three, the Bible says that Jesus told a parable. The parable here is given specifically addressing the Pharisees and the scribes who were grumbling at Jesus because he was eating with tax collectors and sinners. These were the scum of Jewish society. Now, I told you last week that I think the worst kind of sinner is a religious sinner because religious sinners are always aware of everyone else's sin, but they're ignorant of their own. They were grumbling at what Jesus was doing rather than being glad that Jesus was ministering to these people who were, in their minds, very far from God. So Jesus, being the, the great teacher that he was, gives three stories, three parables that I think here illustrate the very heart of God. Now, in each of these three parables, and we're only looking at two this morning, we see that there are three main characters. There's a shepherd, there's a woman, and there's a father. Now, the point uh, is of these parables is not to say that God is a shepherd or God is a woman or God is a father. I think that there are some things we can learn from that, but that's not the main point. The purpose of these stories is, and these analogies is to show us the attitude and the actions of these main characters that reveal something to us about God. So if the shepherd and the woman and the father thinks and acts this way, how much more does God? So the first two parables here serve as a backdrop for the third parable, which we're going to be spending two weeks on, the parable of the lost son. But this morning, what we're going to see in the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin is we're going to see, and it's a really simple sermon, is that God actively seeks after sinners and rejoices when they repent. Let's just say that together. God actively seeks after sinners and rejoices when they repent. So let's do that. Number one, God seeks after sinners. Now, these parables, I was told growing up that parables are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. And so here Jesus took two examples that seemed to be very uh, normal, very natural, very kind of understandable stories. The first one is about a lost sheep. Now, in, in Jewish lifestyle and Israeli lifestyle, even to this day, the, the land of Israel is scattered with shepherds and sheep. Uh, even to this day, you can go out into the wilderness and you'll see shepherds and sheep. If you go into the city, you'll see shepherds and sheep. They are everywhere. It's kind of like, uh, you know, it's a normal part of their life. Now, in that day and in our day, shepherds are known to be a little weird because they hang out with sheep all day. They were known to the Pharisees in Jesus' day as being unclean, but yet we know that they were very necessary for the Israeli economy. So Jesus here is telling a story about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep. This was his small business. He was a small business owner. Each sheep represents his personal assets. So he was kind of imagine him as like a used car salesman with a hundred sheep here. Now, he has a hundred of them, and one of them goes missing. So, in other words, this guy lost 1% of his personal wealth. Now, that was a big issue in that day because he couldn't go get a little Bo Peep loan from the government. 
he had to go out and search. So the Bible says here that he leaves the 99 and goes after to find the one. A good shepherd in Jesus' story is one who personally goes out and looks for the lost sheep. He doesn't pay someone else to do it. He does it himself. Why? Why would a shepherd spend so much energy going after a lost sheep? Because, number one, it was his asset. It was valuable to him. But, number two, sheep are dumb. They're just dumb. And they're def what defenses does a sheep have? They, they just go up and say, bah. I mean, what do they do? They really can't do anything. And that was a bad joke. Um, <laughs> do you know what a lost sheep is? Lunch for a wolf. That's what a lost sheep is. They're in grave danger. And so a normal shepherd loves and is invested in their sheep, and they're going to go out and seek. Now, you know, we have from time to time in my neighborhood a lost animal sign. Have you ever seen a lost animal sign? Occasionally, you'll see a sign in the neighborhood about a lost dog. Nobody really puts up anything about a lost cat because nobody really cares. But, and, and most cats that leave, they, they don't want to be there to begin with. But, but you'll see this post up and somebody's looking, and then months and weeks go by and nobody's really looking for that dog anymore. Well, that's not the shepherd. The shepherd is going to look and search until they find. It's not a token search. It's actively searching. This would be, for a shepherd, physically exhausting and time-consuming because it's not like you just go around some flat area. Israel is just known for, for rocks and hills and caves and crevices, and the sheep are not going to go somewhere easy. They're going to go to the hardest place possible to find. So a shepherd would just comb the entire area, maybe searching miles, looking for the sheep, and finally would find his sheep. So when he found a sheep, what he would do as he would lay the sheep on his shoulders. Now, uh, I actually was trying my hardest all week to find a sheep, and I couldn't find a sheep. Um, but just imagine the animal's body on the back of the neck of the, of the shepherd, and then the, the legs kind of dangling down right here. Somebody offered me a goat, but I didn't think that would be good uh, to have at church, uh, a goat. Anyway, now, some scholars say that they would actually, the shepherd would break one of the legs of the sheep so that the sheep would then learn to depend upon the, the shepherd. Wow, what a great sermon illustration there. Um, and just think, if you wander from church, we won't come and break your legs. Um, but anyway, but he would have to carry. Now, I, I don't know how much a sheep weighs. I mean, they're, they're pretty big, ba-ba, black sheep. How much do you weigh? You're not supposed to ask them, but probably a lot, 100 pounds. So the shepherd would have to go out and, and he would have to go back home or go back to the area, and he would have to carry this 100-pound-plus animal on his shoulders. This was like a major leg day for him. And so he would go, and he would come back and bring it, the, the sheep home. Now, this was a, a normal story. This is a story that people could relate to. And then Jesus gives the second story, which is the story of a lost coin. Here's a woman who has 10 coins, and she loses one of those coins in the house. Now, this was a silver coin. It was called a drachma, which is a Greek coin that was uh, basically equal to a day's wage. So we'll just kind of maybe put it in our thinking, maybe $100, okay? So in this day, women in that day actually carried their wealth uh, on a chain around their neck or in a headdress. Uh, for some, this could be their dowry that their family gave to them uh, when they got married. And so jewelry in this day was a woman's bank. So this woman lost one coin out of ten. How much, what percent did she lose? Ten percent. The shepherd lost one out of a hundred. What percent did he lose? One percent. I said this at eight o'clock. They didn't get it. 
but you guys have had a little bit more sleep. Now listen, here's the deal. This woman had no one to blame but herself. The sheep wandered off, but the coin, it just fell off. Something happened. And so what did she do? This is a very important thing to her. One-tenth of her wealth was tied up in this. And so she gets out a lamp, she sweeps the house, and she seeks diligently. The, the floors in this day were made out of lime plaster, or they were made out of uh, smooth, uncut, dark stones that had many cracks. There was very little natural light in the house. And so she goes with her little lamp, and she's very frantic. Now, listen, she knows how to search, though. She doesn't search like your kids search. Have your, have, your, have your kids ever come to you and said, Dad, I can't find my shoes? And you say, well, have you checked your feet? You just never know. I, there, there have been moments, right, kids, that uh, they were on your feet. Um, just, and so you say to them, this is a fictitious story. This doesn't happen in the Brumbach house. But did you say, well, did you check your room? Well, yes, Dad, I checked my room. And so you get up and you go with them and you look in their room and you look down the floor right in front of them and there are the shoes. And I, and I say, did, did you, and, I, and the dad says, um, did you check your room? Yes. Did you check the floor? No. Why would I do that? Now, that, a dad can do that, but moms know how to search better than dads. Amen, women? Because a mom knows where everything is. They can tell you where it has been for months. They just can't tell you where the missing socks are, okay? Well, here, this woman, she is searching. She is sweeping around, and she is active in this. Well, see, in both stories, both the shepherd and the woman, the main characters are seeking and searching for something that is very valuable to them but is lost. And, and if we're not careful, we, we can kind of over-spiritualize this story. So let me just get to the point. The point of these two stories are to show us the heart of God. And that is, is that God cares for lost things. God is devoted in finding lost things. Why did Jesus come to this earth? What was his mission? His mission wasn't to make people nice. His mission wasn't to get a candidate elected. His mission was not to clean the environment. He says in Luke chapter 5 verse 32 that he came to call sinners to repentance. And then in chapter 19 verse 10 he says that he has come, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came on a search and rescue mission. And so we have a very theological word within that. When Jesus, the Bible says, when Jesus says Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, we have a theological word there. The word lost is not a television show. It is a spiritual category of people who are far from God. It's the difference between being the 99 and the 1. Now, it's not very politically correct to say to someone that they're lost, but Jesus does. Jesus is very... Very blunt that he came to save the lost. Now, the reason why a lot of us think that it sounds weird to think of ourselves as lost or think of someone else as lost is because we don't really think that we're ever lost, right? Especially us guys. Just a, a few months ago, I was supposed to have a lunch appointment with somebody, and uh, I, I went to the place and I sat there. And for me, I'm always early for the most part. Uh, and so five minutes early is ten minutes late for me. And so I was there, sitting there, I was waiting, um, Got, got something to drink, got a Coke Zero, which is a Baptist beer. And, uh, <laughs> and there I was sitting there and just kind of waiting around. And time was going on, time was going on. It's like, where in the world is this, is this guy at? Come to find out, he was at the other place, the place that I was supposed to be at. I went to the wrong place. 
And then I went back and said, no, we were supposed to meet here. No, we were supposed to meet there. And I was very confident that I was right. Well, guess what? I was wrong. See, some of you, you know, you may be very confident. I'm a good person. I'm okay. I'm not lost. I know what's going on. And you're very confident in that, but you may be confidently wrong. Now, with that also being said, there are some people that will come, and they're, they're well-meaning, and they'll come to you and say, you know what, you need to find God. You think about that. Me find God? I can't find God any more than a coin can find the woman. The coin didn't just come back to this woman's life and say to all the other coins back on the chain, hey, you know what, did you see what I did? I picked myself up, I flipped myself on this chain, and I got here all by myself. There's no way. Listen, the only way that you and I can ever find God is God first finding us. We are incapable on our own to find him. But here's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is this, is that I once was lost, but now I'm found. Right now, all over the world, God is seeking and searching for people who are far from him. He is everywhere seeking sinners. I mean, there are reports that I hear literally around the world every week from our missionaries, and we need to pray for them, that God is opening the eyes of people that are very far from God through dreams and visions, through a missionary just going and sharing something simple, through just different ways that God is seeking and searching for people. And here's the good news. God is going to continue to seek and to search until he returns. He is patient. He is compassionate. Praise God. Because if he wasn't patient and compassionate, none of us would be found. Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 16, a verse that I fell in love with this week, God says to his people, I will seek the lost. I will bring back the straight. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and the strong I'll destroy. And I will feed them in justice. You say, well, that first part of the verse is cool, but the last part's kind of weird. Well, notice here what God says. He says that to the lost, to the strayed, to the, to the injured, to the weak, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring back, I'm going to seek, I'm going to bind up, I'm going to strengthen. But to those who are self-righteous, to those who think that they've got it all figured out, justice is coming. He is seeking lost in those who recognize that they're lost. And that's what the Bible says here about God in these stories, is that God actively seeks after sinners. And then the second point, real simple, is that God rejoices when we repent. In both parables, what happens after the sheep and the coin is found? There's rejoicing. The shepherd and the woman, what do they do? They get on Instagram. They get on Twitter. They get on Facebook. They take a selfie with the, pit, with, the, with the lamb. They take a selfie with the coin. They tell everybody, celebrate with me. They tell all their friends, hey, we're going to have a party at my house. I have found the lost sheep. I have found my lost coin. Because here's the thing. When something good happens in your life, you want to share it with other people. You want to celebrate with them. Why was Jesus putting that in the story? Because Jesus here is contrasting the attitude of the Pharisees with the attitude of God. The Pharisees were grumbling, and God is glad when sinners repent. In verse 7, the Bible says that there is more joy. There is more joy when a sinner comes and repents. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Verse 10, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, here's the question, and, and there's some confusion in this. And some have read this, well, it's the angels that are rejoicing. Even, even in the little cartoon that we saw, it said they talks about the angels rejoicing. But you know who I really believe is the one who's rejoicing in, 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 in Jesus' point here? It's not the angels. It's God. 
He's shouting, he's singing, he's celebrating in the presence of the angels when one sinner returns to him. Why does God rejoice? God rejoices over the repentance and restoration of a sinner as a display of his amazing grace. God is glorified and and he is delighted in giving grace to sinners who don't deserve it, who cannot find him on their own, who cannot rescue himself. God gets glory in that, and therefore, when a sinner returns to him, he rejoices. There's no golf claps in heaven. He is excited. Now, normally... With you and me, when someone apologizes to us, when someone repents, we don't normally celebrate or rejoice. What we typically do is we tend to take that moment to tell them how wrong they were and how they should have never done what they did to us to begin with. We sometimes take it upon ourselves to lecture them and maybe punishing them more by making them feel worse about themselves. But aren't you glad that when we come to God, He doesn't do that to us? Aren't you glad that when I come to the Father and I ask Him to forgive me and I am genuine with my repentance, that He doesn't say, I told you so? He rejoices. What a mighty God we have. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. This is a verse you need to have in your heart. God says this to His people. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He's mighty to save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt you with loud singing. Did you know that God sings? God sings. And that's why we sing. We sing because he's the one that gives us the song to sing. He sings over us with loud singing. Now, we say around here, if you can't sing good, sing loud. But God can sing really good, and he sings really loud. You say, Pastor, I don't like loud music. Well, heaven may not be very fun because in heaven, God's going to sing loud over you. But it happens when we repent. See, Jesus in this story is defining what repentance is. He kind of defines repentance as an acceptance of being lost and an acceptance of being found. It's it's realizing I'm lost and and then accepting him finding me. It starts with confession. To truly repent means that we confess. It it starts in the mind and then it goes to the mouth. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It comes with acknowledging, God, I was going the wrong direction. God, I am the one that was lost. I sinned against you. I ran away from you. And here's the thing. When you come to God and you tell God all that you've done wrong, it's not like you're informing God. It's not like he hears your confession and says to the angels, did you know he did that? No. He already knows what you've done. He just wants you to admit it so that you see what it's done to you. And then that confession leads to contrition, where there's an emotion, an expression of grief, not just a regretting of what you did or a sorry that you got caught or that you're scared of the consequences, but it is a desire to want to be, which is the last different you want to change it's a desire to live different and to stay with God repentance is turning around and saying once Jesus picks me up and puts me in the flock I'm going to stay with him I'm going to stay with the flock because it was very foolish for me to ever leave him you know when you sin it's fun right and you say well I've I've sinned and it wasn't fun well you weren't doing it right It's fun for a while, but then you look around and you say, wow, how horrible this is. We're going to talk about this more next week. 
But then you come to that place where God has found you and you accept the fact that you are lost and you see that he has come to find you. And in that moment, you say, man, how dumb it was to live the way I was living. But he comes and finds you. See, that's the difference between religion and the gospel. Here's what religious people say. Religious people say, religion says you're lost, you're dirty, you're dumb, you blew it. You've got to clean yourself up now. You've got to get your act together. You've got to try harder, do better, and try to find your way back to God. And by the way, good luck with that. That's what religion says. You know what the gospel says? The gospel says this, you are lost, but Jesus is here. He will pick you up, and he'll carry you home. Jesus is like enterprise rental cars. He'll pick you up. And we should rejoice with that. That when sinners are found and sinners are restored and sinners repent, heaven is happy. And listen, if heaven is happy when sinners repent, Christians should share in that happiness too. You know, every time, and we're about to get cranked up to do some more baptisms, every time we do a baptism, this church should be like your favorite team just won a Super Bowl. Every time you hear of somebody giving their life to Jesus, you should get up off your seats and hoop and holler and be excited because that which is lost has been found. That's what it's like in heaven. There's a party in heaven going on all the time. See, God wants us to rejoice with him. The Pharisees and the scribes, they weren't happy to see other people come to Jesus. They were miserable. Why? Because they didn't think these people deserved it. See, religious people think this. I have to be a good person. I need to be a good person. I need to be religious. I've got to be better than someone else. And then religious people begin to think, well, if I'm not a good person, then I at least need to fake it. And I need to hide it. And maybe some of you here this morning, you came to church, and I, I thank God you came to church, and you, you came to be here. And I praise God for that. But in your heart this week, you're, you're living for yourself. And maybe in your heart you say, you know what, I'm not really a Christian. I don't even know if I believe in God. I, God does not want you to come and fake it and hide it. What God wants us to do is not to fake it, not to hide it, but to confess it and repent of it and turn to him. See, God is not the God of the religious. God is the God of repentance, and he's the God of rejoicing, and there is none too far for God. So... If the shepherd will go after the lost sheep, if the woman will search after a lost coin, how much more will the Heavenly Father search after people made in His image and rejoice when the lost are found? You want to know how committed God is to finding you? You know how committed Jesus was to finding you? John chapter 10, verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Do you know that when God, come, when God came to find you, he didn't send an angel? He didn't send somebody else? He came himself. He gave up his life to save you. He died on a cross to save you from being lost forever. Jesus was cast out so that you and I could be brought in. Jesus was lost so that you and I could be found. Oh, what a Savior. It's not like the shepherd who found the sheep, but this is the shepherd who died in finding the sheep, that he gave his life for the sheep. So there's two things I want to share with you. Now, here's the whole sermon. Everything else has been an introduction to this sermon right now. I told you seven hours condensed in 
six minutes. Number one, if you are a Christian, those of you watching online, those listening on the radio, if you are a Christian, you need to remember that you were once lost, but he found you. All of us that are believers are saved because he found us. We didn't find him. He found us. And because of that, we should, number one, never get over the fact that we're found. You know, with COVID-19, with our world going the way our world is going, with all the different cares and worries, financial, financial issues, political struggles, personal relationship issues, it is so easy for us to lose our joy. It's so easy for us to get so consumed with the things of this world that we forget that we've been found. We should never get over the fact that we have been found. Most of you in this room have been Christians far longer than maybe you've not been a Christian. But we should never get over the fact that we are found, that He found us. That when we were seeking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply, deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the water lifted me, now safe am I. It was love that lifted me. You should never get over that. That's why when we come into this room, I don't care what the song is, I don't care what's going on, I don't care if I like the beat or if I don't like the beat, I'm going to get off and stand on my feet and I'm going to praise the Lord for saving a sinner like me. And the number two part of this is that if Jesus loves the lost, so should we. So, so, so should we. You know, people that are far from God, who we used to be, can be annoying, they can be inconvenient. So can we. <laughs> if Jesus loves them, so should we. You know, Jesus never apologized for being an insider with outsiders. Never. We should love people that are far from God. And number three, we should not just worry about the 99 that are found, but we should pursue the one who is lost. You know, over the years, I've been here almost 10 years, I've had people say to me, Pastor, you, you, don't, you, you don't care about the people here. You, you're just always out searching for new people, searching for new people, worried about new people. That's a good thing. Because you're found. We need to seek the lost. We need to penetrate darkness. If all our church growth is, is one person coming from one church to another church, one found person going from one sheepfold to another sheepfold, we've not done anything. We need to see more people come to Jesus. Because I believe that the time is late and the need is great, that Jesus is soon to come. What we are experiencing now are just merely birth pains. We must get out and we must share with other people. And here's what I want. I want people, when they come by and they see our church, that they say, wow, those people that go to that church are friends of sinful people. That they love the community. That they actually care about people. They're not trying to use it. They're not just trying to get money from them. They don't have some sort of political agenda. They just care about people. Now, some of us, it's easy for us to get overwhelmed. 
and say, well, there's so many people in this world that need so many things. Well, here's the deal. In this story, how many sheep did the shepherd go after? One. My prayer is, is that this summer, you wouldn't try to worry about the 99 and try to find out 99. Is that you set your eyes and your heart and your affections on one person that's far from God and pray for them and love them and genuinely care for them and befriend them and point them to Jesus. Last point. If you're not a Christian, you need to know that God is searching for you and will rejoice when he finds you. You may not think that you're lost. You may say, you know what, I'm not that bad and God's not that mad. But without Jesus Christ, you are lost. You say, I don't like that word lost. It doesn't seem politically correct. I'm all about finding my own self-expression. Well, here's the deal. You're never going to find who you truly are until he finds you. And you can't fix your problems. There's some people that say, Pastor, you don't know. I'm too far gone. I'm too bad. There's no way. Well, then you're limiting God. Because God is going to seek until he finds you. We'll end with this. John Newton wrote a, wrote a hymn we we're about to sing, Amazing Grace. And here's how it goes. Amazing Grace. If you know the word, say it with me. How sweet the sound that saved a wrench like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Today, you who are lost can be found. You who are blind can see. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for the word. I thank you for the gospel. And God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would do a work that I cannot do. And that is call people to yourself. God, this morning I know that there are those that are watching, those that are listening, those that are here in this room that need a relationship with you. And God, I pray that you would do that work. God, I know that many of us who have been found, we just only focus on the found and we don't care about the lost. God, help us to love people as you love them. Help us to go out and search in the highways and hedges, in the rocks and the caves, anywhere and everywhere, to share your love with those that are lost. And God, I pray that you help us to never get over the fact that we have been found. It's all by your grace. Lord, I pray that you move in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Central Sanford Podcast. For more information or how to take your next step, visit us online at centralsanford.net.